You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewy Side 55, Carlos Fonseca, Brad Miller, and Brian Reeves. Hey, guys. Hey. hey. So, off week for NIS uh, for NASCAR. Uh, what'd you guys do uh, to, that you normally would be racing? Uh, were you still racing? <laughs> that was the topic last week. Yeah, it's still happening. I'm I down three fifty over three weeks. Yeah, I'm way down too. I'm I'm down to let's see, what is that number? Twenty eight oh three. I was at thirty two hundred when dirt came out. So that's four hundred. And my SR is down to two point five six. It was like four something. All right, I'll go ahead and say this right now. I had issues with my mic, so you'll probably hear these guys talking to themselves or to nothing, but I'm probably going to cut it out so it'll be a quick transition. So just throwing it out there. Be prepared for that for the rest of the you know, show. You got DQ'd for what? Oh, really? I don't think I've been close. So it was super late? Uh, how'd, I, how'd I guess? Yeah, I think that's what I learned, too. Uh, I've been just running street stock at USA. Um, what I've learned, it is qualifying, just like you said, because there is no cautions. And if you're not up to speed right away in the first lap or two, well, not in these races that I've been running. And, yeah, and uh, if you don't have that track position and keep it, you'd never get it back because you can't catch people because everyone's running the same speed, basically. Right. And what did you do about fuel? Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, so when you said 100 laps, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, if you know you can get a reset and potentially a wave and there's cautions, yeah, why not? Yeah. Nice. You have to clean the track off, right? So how would they determine that order? Oh. Should have sandbagged uh, practice. I guess you got to kind of keep it a mystery so people don't, you know, sandbag. So I I think I've learned I can't do dirt official races anymore because it's just going to kill my my I rating, and it already has. And so, like we talked about last week, it's just uh, a shame that they don't have a dirt license. And we have people like me who want to run dirt official racing, but now I'm at a point where I really can't because it's going to kill my NASCAR side. So... I got to just stop or it's going to get way bad. Yeah, well, the problem with me is is uh, I'm, I'm two extremes on this. In the NIS, I'm fairly decent. In dirt, I suck. I mean, I really do. I, I'm, I'm really struggling with this, and it's going to take a lot of practice and, and stuff like that, but uh, it didn't come second nature. This is almost like an alien to me. Yeah, I'm, I feel like a, I'm the same way. I feel like a rookie on dirt, but I have the I rating of a seasoned NASCAR person, right? But when I put myself on dirt, my I rating is going to drop to below 1,000 because that's what it should be when I'm on dirt because I'm a rookie. Right. 
<laughs> the the you asked at the start, what did you do in the off week? I practiced some dirt, but didn't really do much. It was really boring. I ran some late night races uh, hosted. Uh, this guy who was supposed to come on the show but didn't show up, uh, Roger Buff, was the uh, admin. And it was the old national K&N car. And uh, he ran it like at Daytona and California, Michigan, and stuff like that, <clears throat> Talladega. And I ran with them two or three times. And he's trying to build up a, a following for a league he's starting. I forget the name of it. But... Um, it was fun. I had fun doing that in that K&N car. We, the first race I did with them at Daytona, I was in the back, and I came up through there, and it was like pack racing. They're like two, three wide, and they're like slowing down so much at the end of the straight. If you stay in it, you can just go around them on the outside, and I was passing one, two, three rows at a time going into two or going into, uh, going, going into three or one, and... Uh, it was so much fun. I was like chopping through the field. And, uh, well, I, I don't know if it was just, you know, the mix of people he had in there, but, um, but it was competitive and it was fun. There were a lot of cautions and, uh, he did a good job adminning. And anyway, I invited him on the show and talk about his league, but, uh, it was fun. So I was ran some hosted stuff. I was looking for dirt stuff and hosted, but again, I haven't bought any dirt content. I've been running street stock at USA or trucks at USA, because that's what the free con dirt content is. And nobody's hosting that stuff up at all. So, yeah, so I just found what I could. I ran a bunch of where I would cycle between carb cup, pickup cup and Delara dash. And I'd run those three uh, off and on. And I uh, had a couple wins, and I think the Delara Dash and the Pickup Cup once. But uh, I usually do pretty good in those. Uh, Brian, I don't think you were on much, right? I did not run much. I actually practiced dirt a lot, but like Brad said, that's only so much fun for so long. Racing is so much more fun than practicing. Um, I, uh, I went out, um, kind of did a bunch of stuff around town that I've been kind of putting off. The weather was really nice last week, so I went out on a friend's boat and stuff like that. Nice. All right. And let's talk about Bristol before we jump into topics. Uh, upcoming, starting tomorrow, uh, we were just talking about setups before we went on air, and, uh, we don't really have one, but... We need to work on one, and uh, Brad, you had a good run in the A Open. Do you want to talk about that and tell us what you think about? You were saying, be gentle on the tires. Yeah, I think you've got to. Uh, we actually had it was a hundred lap race, and uh, I think we only had like one caution right in the middle. But uh, after about forty laps, at least the way I was driving. I was finding out that um, well, it doesn't want to turn much after you wear them fronts out, and uh, it's easy to do. I got a feeling it's it's the way I was braking. I should have been off the gas, you know, wait a half second and then start braking going in. But I was 
I was braking as I was coming off the gas, which probably didn't help my front tires much at all. Right. I'm always really slow here uh, compared to others, especially getting into the corner. I, I just... These guys go in so hard right against the wall. I don't know how. I, I'm just too nervous to do that, I guess. Right. But And, and they're not like slowing down and rolling into it. They're going in there at speed, right? It's like the car unloads or something, right? You got to keep the car loaded. Yeah, and watch your gas pedal coming off. It's really easy to lose control and hit the inside wall. Thank God it's not full distance. Well, half distance in the NIS this year will maybe mimic, mimic real life because uh, weather forecast for Bristol this weekend is not good. Maybe watching a night race or a Monday race. So with the new segment rules, what is the rules with rain? Is it still a race to halfway or what? I don't know. Guess we haven't had to think about it. Yeah, NASCAR has been lucky with the rain. Yeah, they're saying right now Friday seventy percent, Saturday seventy percent, Sunday eighty. Now you live really close to the track. Are you going? No, I'm working. Yeah, I figured you were. But if it's a rain out and they do it Monday, I may. <laughs> right, that probably could happen. They could. Okay, let's jump into topics. Uh, Brian, you're up first. Okay, first is a Twitter post, and it's about Len Bowes scored his first NASCAR Peak Antifreeze Series win of the 2017 season at Texas Motor Speedway. Yep, Alan Bowes gets the win. If you remember, he was pretty hot last year, I think, in the summer, wasn't he? He had a few wins. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had some wins last year, and and he was a player. And it's nice to see him uh, step up, uh, you know, and get a win, and you know, establish himself. It was a. I watched parts of this, uh, and uh, it was a good run for him. Right, that's what I mean. It was a, a solid run for sure. Yeah, Ryan Luza was the other guy who was strong, right? Yep. And uh, there's a nice write-up on the race at virtualgrip.net again. Those guys do a great job describing in words and pictures really, you know, what happened. Right. Well, that was the peak antifreeze series. Uh, congrats to Alan. I'll take the next one. Uh, this uh, you brought this to us, Carlos. This is uh, something in the forums, but it's a uh, it's a 
track, it's a guide on how to set up a dirt car. Oh, is it? Okay, I thought it was the same one. Yeah, so it's like a little thing that tells you how to tighten the car, loosen the car, if you have it on corner exit or corner entry. Right. And so did you make progress figuring it out? <laughs> yeah, it seems a lot of people are struggling with dirt setups as far as learning it. But this is a, a guide. Uh, Cody Glowing put this up in the forums. I think if you search the word masters, plural, B-I-L-T, all one word, masters built, you'll find it. Uh, I don't know where you found yours, Carlos. Was that Facebook or what? Okay. So it's in that same link. Okay, yeah. TheDirtForum.com. There you go. Yeah, check it out. TheDirtForum.com. You know, one of the things, too, is... is and I, I don't know how much it's changed. I, I did this probably like 10 years ago, but uh, I was on a team that uh, ran a uh, crate motor and super late motor, late models on dirt. And not so much with the suspension, but, um, it, you know, we had our little cheat sheet. If the track is dry, slick, set your shocks to this. And if it was uh, tacky, set your shocks to this. That's what we really changed a whole lot besides J-bars and stuff. But uh, that's kind of cool that they've got this out now. I haven't seen anything that, it, you know, shows you based on track conditions, but that'd be cool to have. Yeah, well, I mean, you just go out and run the track and see what you think and then come back to the cheat sheet. I think that's how that's supposed to work. Yeah, it switches yeah. up so fast, huh? All right, Brad, what's next? All right, this is something from uh, our racing staff, Steve Rios. says, we're looking into the NIS versus NPAS differences. Uh, Initial evaluations would indicate that the fact due to the car count difference and the resulting difference in track temperature, uh, I'd have to agree that eight cars shouldn't cause that much of a difference in the multi-groove racing as we see, but we're looking into it and hopefully we can bottom it out. Uh, I think they're talking about uh, the tracks rubbering up. Yep, with with uh, lower number of cars and stuff like that. Yeah, people are comparing NIS and Peak at the same track, and there's not much difference except per car, like you said, car count and the resulting tire, uh, you know, track temp. But in one series, there's a lot more, you know, multi-groove racing than in the other. 
and people are trying to figure out why. As someone was saying, you know, there's some setting in the in when they set up the race that is different, you know, or so anyway. Rye racing is looking into it. Is basically what we've learned uh, because it is a discussion and it is kind of a mystery. But is eight cars, you know, the difference between 32 and 40 or however, I don't know the exact numbers, but that eight car difference between the two series, is that enough to really cause the drastic difference they're seeing between the two? It doesn't seem like it's, it seems to me, I think the common sense approach would be, it'd be a little bit similar, you know, one would be a little bit better than the other, but they should be fairly similar should be you'd think right but apparently they're not so oh so that's cool they're looking into it at least and he's aware and i kind of like that you know it's not like somebody went to iRacing and said hey this is a problem it's like it was a discussion on the forums iRacing's paying attention they jump into the discussion and say yeah you know that does look like a problem we're going to look into this all right i'll pick up the next one here uh, Parker Kligerman demonstrates iRacing's new dirt on the NASCAR on NBC show. Uh, he ran the trucks at Eldora. Uh, did you guys watch Parker uh, run in the, the uh, half-circle screen simulator thing? I did. He did pretty good. And he even, like, went and touched the wall on purpose just to prove that you can still drive away from it. Yeah. I wonder if they made a change. Remember, they put out a little release and changed a bunch of little things, so. Right. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. That's big exposure for iRacing when you get on NASCAR uh, and on NBC. And, you know, they do that once a week, but it's neat to, that they're showcasing the dirt on the off week. It has to be, yeah. Like a pr projector on the outside or something. I don't know. Okay, Brian, what's next? Next is a forum post, uh, and it is... Uh, it is what is it? It is a poll that is asking, what is your favorite dirt car? I actually just filled this out so I can see the results. Did you guys fill it out? Yeah, I voted. I haven't. 243 votes so far. And yeah, pretty, pretty split. Yeah, looks like the 410 is in the top spot, 25%. And then super late, 23%. Yep, the 360 is not too far behind at 20%. Yeah. I spent some time in that over the off week, and that's a lot of fun. Bringing up the back, truck, dead last, 0%. It says one vote, but 0%. And then Legends Dirt Car, 2%. Got five votes. 
You don't like the legends? Yeah. It's... I ran it in a few laps and I never touched it again. All right, Brad, what's next? All righty. Uh, Prelude to the Dream will feature two fan vote winners. Uh, two winners will start 25th and 26th on the grid in the main event. Uh, the first category will be iRacing streamers who have at least uh, 1,000 subscribers or followers on either YouTube or Twitch. And... Uh, I guess you go on to Facebook there and, and uh, go to this site and vote. Yep. It, says, it says to vote uh, for your favorite streamer. Just post a comment of their name and number. And they've got 10 people on here. And uh, there's one guy that I, I watch his videos quite often. So I'll probably vote for him, but I'm not going to say who. Yep. And uh, 756 votes so far. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think that, that really says a lot to uh, the number of people that actually uh, watch a lot of this stuff. Right. Some familiar names on the list. I'm not going to list all of them. Matt Malone, Kevin O'Keefe, The Lawyer, Brandon Smizer, <laughs> Kyle Young. Haven't seen him on in a long time, actually. To go I, troll. I like 10. That Hobo 88. Hobo? Yeah. I think that's the British guy. Oh. He's kind of, he, or he may be Australian. I don't, I don't mean to disrespect if I got it wrong, but, uh, it just here and some of his comments are pretty cool. Right. Yeah. All right, I'll take up the next one here. Uh, let's see. Next topic is Kenny Humpy, our uh, one-time peak champion, uh, posted up, hey, he upgraded his pedals. And uh, he went with the Tilton pedals. And these are really nice. Um and he's basically, you know, doing a recommendation. So we had Kenny on the show a long time ago, and he uses an old G25, and he won his championship with a Logitech G25 wheel. And so that's what he had, yeah. No, that's what I had till last year. I bought them B3s. I still use a 25 wheel. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. I about wore the rubber off the thing, but I've still got it. It still works. Yeah, I think Kenny's still using it, too. But now he's got these Tilton pedals. And back when I was shopping pedals, I looked at these. And, boy, you better have a way of mounting them. That's what I would say when you, you take a look at them. Now, they're offered by a company called uh, DIYSim.com. 
and you can go to their website and look them up. But I see prices ranging here from $900 to almost $1,500, depending on which one you pick. Yep. Yeah, so these are obviously high-end hydraulic, you know, really nice pedals. And uh, they're for sale. So we thought, you know, Kenny Humpy obviously knows what he's doing. And he said, hey, these are the ones to get. I'd have to believe him. Yeah, that's, man, that's a lot of money. It sure is, isn't it? But I will say this, you know, back when last year I, I said, look, I've got, you know, right around $300 that I can throw at my, my rig here. What would you suggest? And Brad Wren popped up and said pedals. And uh, it really was a big difference from what I was using. So I'm sure he's probably really happy. Yeah, it's a nice upgrade when you get good pedals. It really is. You notice it when you go back and you get on a friend's rig or something, or you go to a race or something, you get on a, a, you know, a public rig that they have on display and you get to use a set of pedals that you're not used to. You really notice the difference between a high-end set and a set of generics that they just have out on display. Uh, joining us, Colton Landis from 1UP Motorsports. Welcome, Colton. Uh, I know you and Carlos are planning a car for a uh, Nürburgring race. Uh, why don't we uh, switch topics to that real quick. Uh, Carlos, tell us about the effort and who you got uh, joining you. It's a process. We're working on it. You're working on the lineup still? Yeah, working on the lineup. Just trying to see who else is going to be with us but you know either way it should be fun those things always are it's good to be back i haven't been been around here in a while yeah nice to see you so yeah what kind what 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 car are you running we'll be driving the audi good yeah, yeah. i was gonna say carlos you you uh talk to Colton about getting a team together because basically nobody on our team really wanted to run it, right? And so he had to find, uh, kind of uh, get creative, right? No, I was right. faced with the same situation over at 1UP, you know, my team over there, they, they basically aren't doing much else than dirt ever since dirt came out and couldn't really get Many of them excited about this race. A lot of them are scared of right turns, so thought I'd see if I could get some old friends to run it with me. Perfect. So a practice is open now since Monday, right? Yeah, it should be open now. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Brian, I think you're next. All right, next is a post, um, and it says that I've been working with iRacing since January now, and never have I seen nor have I ever heard of them dumbing down anything intentionally. There are no so, so many compromise, or there are so, so many compromises and variables in real life. 
Although iRacing considers these models, there is far greater depth and detail than I had ever imagined. There is still only so much we can do on a computer. Only one area, <laughs> only one area affects ten others, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's Tyler Hudson quote. Yeah, he was talking about uh, uh, some of the setups for, say, like the GT3s. There were there were people saying they were dummying dummying them down uh, to make them easier to drive. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely feel more connected to the ground, even when it does let go. It's not easier to drive, it's just a little more predictable, I'd say. You're yeah, referencing the new tire model, right, that they recently put on these? Well, I've noticed it ever since then, yeah. Yeah, well, it started with what? The Porsche? Isn't that where we noticed it, Carlos? When we were just having so much fun with that thing. I mean, you were really throwing it into the turns. And yeah, you could overdo it and lose control, but man, those were fun to drive. I was slow still, but still fun to drive. Yeah, there's still a lot of, lot of curves there that you're not going to want to touch, but it is better than last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll work with what we've got here this week, I'm sure. Yeah, so yeah, somebody's basically calling out iRacing saying, Hey, you guys are not staying true to the real product, the real thing. But I it sounds like they are, you know. Tyler was one of us not long ago, and he will go ox into those offices, you know, with fresh eyes and open ears. He's going to notice if something's weird, and he's going to say it. And he he specifically said there, hey, these guys are trying their best. They're doing everything they can to make it as real as possible. As opposed right. to Oval? The other part of this, uh, Steve Reese also posted up something very similar, but on the dirt side. He said, nothing is ever intentionally dumbed down with the sprint cars. In tuning the physics and handling, we took feedback from many real-life drivers and tried to arrive at a vehicle model that seemed to satisfy everyone as best as possible in terms of the achieving the most accurate level of realism. Oh, were they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it goes on to, he talks about uh, if we go to smaller tracks, which require shorter gears, some of the nose lift when returning the throttle at a low RPM on a tr tacky track feeling will return. In, have you noticed that people that complain about dirt are kind of far and in between, but when they do, it's like, you know, every argument they could make is just like literally shot down, you know? 
they did a really good job, especially for the first outing with Dirt, you know, getting it right, you know. All right, Brad, what do you got next? Okay, Commodore's Garage, number th 23, Camber. And uh, it says, if, you've, if you own a car and you experience the pain of having the wheel go out of alignment, you probably noticed the car didn't quite behave the same way it used to. On a street car, it's usually noticed by, by the wheel pulling to one side or the other. Your car drifts. Uh, but in racing, they do it for an advantage. Uh, in all forms, all the way from karting to Formula One, World Rally. Uh, wheel alignment is a well-studied art form, and proper settings can make the make a decent car great. Uh, and they go in to explain it, and they show you the front end of a uh, an open wheel car, showing you what the cambers are. And positive camber moves the top of the wheel more away from you leaning it away from the motor is how I was taught a long time ago. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, helps a car turn is uh, putting negative camber in that right front and pulling it in and making you rub the inside of the tire, I guess you would say. Uh, that will help a car turn dramatically. I can't believe they didn't go into casters too because uh, as you turn a front wheel, the caster moves it, moves the top front and back. And having, say, a, a, a two degree positive or a negative on the right front and a different casters will make that grow or lessen as you turn the tire. And it's uh, it's really hard to understand, kind of. Except, I mean, it's easy to understand the the camber, but when you start applying caster settings to it, it can get kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, this, this is a good article to read, though, to learn about camber if yeah. you're a beginner. Yeah, it is. It is, and that they explain it. It's it's pretty lengthy ex explanation. They've got pictures showing you what to do and and stuff like that. So it's if you're ever struggling with your setup and thinking, man, that guy's just got a little bit more than me. Uh, that's an area you can look at that can make your car go from okay to pretty good to junk. But it's an area to play with. Yep, pretty cool. If you want to learn about setups, check out Commodore's Garage. All right, I'll get the next one here. Um, somebody posted up, when will we see the fruits of DX11? And remember, we all switched to DX11. Um, Dave Gosselin from iRacing piped up, and here's what he said. You're already seeing the changes enabled by DX11. The night shadow map system, displacement on the dirt tracks, rift support, in addition to new features adding DX11 and dropping DX9, that allows us to focus on a single rendering path so we don't have to write every feature twice. Because remember, they were supporting you know, DX9 and DX11 as two separate pieces of code. 
you know, as far as software goes. And you, they were literally separate. And so when they made a change in one, they had to go to the other one and make the same change. And so by removing DX9 out of the equation, that allows them to focus on the one set of code. And so it's a nice reminder about why we did that. So has anybody uh, heard of any horror stories about losing DX9 and can't iRace because of it? I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't heard of them. Yeah. It, if there was, I probably would have heard about them. But uh, I think there was one guy on Facebook, his computer didn't support it. But that was it. Yeah, there would be a flood of people screaming if, if that was the case. Well, it makes you think maybe they should have made the move to DX11 sooner and maybe stopped supporting DX9 earlier so they didn't have to support that two sets of code for, I don't know, a year and a half or however long it took them. So hindsight's always twenty twenty, you know, looking back at it. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of people got displaced by that. So even though they ran, they gave everybody tons of notice, you know, and maybe that's why. All right, Brian, what's up next? Next is the post about qualifying sessions for the Nurburg 24 hours. We talked about this a little bit, but it appears that the practice and qualifying sessions will be posting here shortly. Yep. Good luck to all those who are running. This Brad, is the one. Next? That's the one endurance race I don't do. Yeah, I don't do this one either. It's a survival race. <laughs> it is. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I love the track. Yeah. I'm hoping that this year, last year I noticed just a couple hours into the race we had like half the people gone i think it was because they had multiple opportunities to run it but this year there's only going to be one one race session so hopefully that keeps some people in the race for a little bit longer yeah yeah and it at nurburgring it i mean 60 cars sounds like a lot, and it is on most tracks, but at the Nürburgring, it's so huge, you know, even at the start in the first few hours when we have, you know, 50 to 60 cars, it still gets pretty spread out, and you're not even seeing another car, you know, for a, you know, for multiple laps. It would be, be great to see eventually, you know, being able to have more classes of cars and overall, or a higher overall number of cars there. They'll support it, right? Well, right now they can only do 60, right? But, but I mean, the track can support it. I mean, you could have more than that, right? Oh, yeah. The, the, in real life, that race has 200-plus cars. Holy cow. Yeah. Now, see, that would be fun. I would, I'd want to participate in that if that was the case. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
I heard the thing with the Mazda was that once it got damaged to a certain point, it couldn't be fixed. Right. Yeah. All right, Brad, what's up? All right, somebody's posted in the forum that they'd like to see North Wilkesboro Speedway laser scanned. I don't know. What y'all think about this? I, I personally, I mean, nostalgia-wise, yeah, it's cool. Really? Nah, I don't want to see that scanned. I think if they want to go see a track scanned, uh, do some more dirt, or go scan real races that people are racing on now. My question would be, is that track still in a condition where they'd be able to scan it accurately? I don't think so. I, I don't know. It, it would take some work because uh, they were talking about cracks in the in the asphalt, and somebody posted a picture of it, and it's got, uh, yeah, pretty good size uh, weeds growing in between it. I mean, they're they're you know, two or three foot tall weeds up on the track. So, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of. Before it gets worse, before it gets leveled into a parking lot or a condominiums, at least scan it and have it in a can. You don't need to necessarily develop it to send the scan team out and scan it. How many times have they scanned stuff and not released it? I mean, we're still waiting for the Pocono rescan, right? Right. I don't think that's going to happen. But scan it, because maybe one day we're going to have a vintage Winston Cup series on vintage tracks with vintage cars. And wouldn't it be cool to come back to maybe North Wilkesboro? Right. Well, they did do that. Uh, they did do that Monza oval, and I'm sure that was not in good shape. That some right, and they cleaned they, they it managed up right? to make it to where we could drive it in the sim. Right. They could do the same with this. I think they drive it every year. They clean it up, I think, once a year for some event they do there. It's, I don't, they don't drive it at speed, but they take vintage cars out there and drive it around there. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Right. Yeah, but the, the vintage stuff doesn't do well. Look at the Nissan. I mean, I love driving that old Nissan. There's just no participation in those things anymore. Everybody likes to drive the new stuff. I, you know, if I was iRacing, though, I'd be thinking big picture, long term. I mean, at some point, they're going to run out of tracks and cars to build. At some point, right? Nah. And you don't well, think maybe so? Maybe tracks, but there's always going to be new cars. Right. It's true. But well, tracks, but I mean, so why not get the ones that are like close to destruction like this one it's all rusted out and yeah riverside's gone right it is right it's a strip mall i get what you're saying it'd be nice to have a virtual preservation of the track even if it's gone Somebody put this up on change.org actually as a petition. Uh, so 100, almost 100 people have signed it so far.
I would like to see tracks that they still race at. Say, like, uh, God, it would be hard to do, but Bowman Gray. Huh, wouldn't it be fun? Can you but, fit 40 cars on that track? <laughs> they have to be Legends cars or something. Yeah, that that track is on my uh, my bucket list. I want to go to a race there. It's not actually that far away from me, but uh, uh, everybody that I've talked to that it's went said it is crazy. It's like a Winston Cup weekend in one night. It, it it's it's built around a football field. So that would be a quarter mile, right? Because isn't that yeah. what, like uh, running tracks are around football fields? Four laps yeah. is a mile. Yeah, a quarter mile. Well, if if I've heard that if you go there and you don't see uh, fifteen wrecks and two fights, you just had a weird weekend. So it, it, I'd like to go just once. That's actually the uh, the track where Richard Childress started out at. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, well, actually, he started out. I think uh, he he worked at the track or something. All right, uh, next up, Motor Sims Racing Magazine released their second edition uh, magazine. And if you go to MotorSimsRacing.com, you'll find it. He has 1,377 readers so far on the first issue. Uh, Ken Younts is the editor. And he's got a nice uh, publication here. I was looking through it earlier today. Um, some of the... Uh, Articles here are Broadcaster's Corner, Commodore's Garage Extra, Around the Pits, League Directory, Racers Rides, and uh, lots of uh, interesting articles, advertisements, and so forth. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Looks like a lot of hard work and... Uh, Good job, Ken. So maybe you want to be listed on his league directory, so hit him up over at MotorSimRacing.com. Motor Sim... Uh, excuse me, let me re-say that. MotorSims, plural, Racing.com. So there's an S in there after Sim. All right, Brian, what's next? Next is a post in the forums about our new user interface is extremely flexible, and we hope you guys will get to see it soon. Soon, soon, soon. So a year and a half from now, right? Now, how long has it been? I saw this the other day, and I was thinking, the new UI, hmm, it's been like at least a year. I think they missed April Fool's by a little bit. So, yeah, David Tucker states here in one of these forum posts, hey, it's still out there, folks, and they're still working on it. 
So it sounds like it's a lot of work, uh, is what it's come down to. But uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about it. Did you guys forget about it until that moment? I. Yeah, I did. I haven't. I remember seeing that video where they were showing something about it long, long ago, but it seems like I haven't heard anything since. Yeah, I guess for the new listeners or new people to iRacing, let me state what we're talking about. A long time ago, and I don't. We I guess we don't under, We don't know exactly how long ago that was, but uh, they announced this new UI, and like Colton said, there was a video, and and uh, the idea is there wouldn't be a website anymore. You would you would launch the sim on your desktop. And you would interface right inside the sim with which event am I going to race in or which practice am I going to join or I'm going to host a race or I'm going to join a race or what am I going to do? All the stuff that you do on the website is now within the sim. And so they're making a whole new user interface and uh, it's going to be quite different apparently. All right, Brad, you're next. Okay, uh, this is from. Uh, I, I hope I don't butcher this this too much, but uh, a guy named Turk, who is a Japanese racer, says he's won the championship for all races that I have participated in from 2004 to 2012, and uh, it shows him. Uh, using iRacing and with a VR headset uh, I have never heard of him but apparently he's quite the thing over there yeah I saw this iRacing actually was interacting with this guy on uh, on Twitter and I was following along but I went and looked at his profile his name is Tara Katu and he is a championship mazda roadster driver over in the in japan and uh like he said won championships every year from 04 to 2012 that's eight years he has fourteen thousand uh tweets <laughs> but uh he has this great looking rig that he's running an 80 20 rig uh set up in some kind of area and he's got a you know vr headset really nice looking setup No, I was thinking Glenn McGee. Remember Glenn McGee? So he's like the Japanese version of Glenn McGee. Yeah, but uh, I think we sometimes forget, you know, this is an international thing. I don't see very many Japanese around in my races, but apparently they, they do run iRacing. Right. All right, next, hotrod.com, which is a big, big magazine, print magazine, guys. This is a lot of readership. Uh, put up a nice uh, feature article about none other than Ty Majeski running the iRacing colors uh, here on the oval short tracks of america this season in 2017 and um it's a great article i actually read the whole thing uh this last week um 
And the the writer goes on to describe why is Ty Majeski so good and why does he win so much? And he, he gave a lot of credit to uh, the car and the crew chief and not only the driver as well, but really, you know, he was given a lot of credit to the, the crew chief. Apparently he's one of the best in the business as far as short track ovals go. And, uh, Yeah, and I think my problem with the article, it wasn't a problem, but I don't think he gave Ty Majewski, the driver, enough credit. He didn't even talk about his iRacing career, which I think is astonishing that he's the highest iRating guy in a, that there is, you know. And uh, to not take that into consideration and why does this guy win all the time is just totally missing the point, I think. But uh, that's the thing. He's got the talent, obviously, you know, and he's proved it both in real life and in iRacing. Right. Well, I'd love to see Ty Majewski in peak. I mean, that's, would he just smoke him or what? Well, exactly. Does he ever drive the cup car on here? I don't think he does. I just think he does the late model and the super late. That would be interesting to see how he would do against some of those guys. Right. That's what I'm saying. Put him in a peak race, see how he runs. Is he a back marker or is he, a, you know, a contender? I don't know. The, as many laps as those peak guys, and I, I see it firsthand, every, you know, all the time they're just turning laps and laps and laps and laps of practice. I think, I don't know how, I don't, I'm not convinced that he would do too well against those guys if he never turns laps in that car on iRacing. Well, I think that, that boat's probably sailed because now he's got a real-life, you know, racing career, and he doesn't have yeah. time to do that. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. He's running ARCA this year. I guarantee you, though, any of those top-running peak drivers would love to switch positions with Ty Majeski right now. Oh, yeah. And yeah, like like the article says, though he's got a great ride, he's got a great crew chief, and he's in a really good spot right now. And he's got a sponsor in iRacing too, so he's got everything he needs to do it. And you know, he's a Roush Fenway development driver. He's got an Xfinity start coming up in June. Where is that? Ohio, Iowa. Yeah, and like I said, let's replace Trevor Bain finally. Be done with it. All right, Brian, what do you got next? Next is a forum post by Joe Gibbs Racing, and it is about Ty Gibbs and his new SimCraft simulator. 
They say that the product is key to the driver development of young Ty Gibbs, and he is coming along great. So this would be the grandson, none other than cup owner Joe Gibbs. And what's the kid, like 12 years old or something? Yeah, he's a young man. Yeah, he's 12 or 13 by the looks of him. But, boy, he's got everything he needs. He's got the right last name, that's for sure. That's a serious simulator. I've seen one of those in action up close. They're really cool. They're, they're something. Yeah, look at the second link they posted. There's a video to it of the kid running in the simulator. Now, the simulator is from SimCraft, S-I-M-C-R-A-F-T. And uh, it's a full motion simulator. It looks pretty darn sharp. Oh, yeah. When you sit down, there's pieces that actually, like, bolt to the side of you next to the chair and everything, like, the that hold the TVs in place, that move with you. It's, it's, it's really nice. Everything moves. The, the monitors move with the cockpit, right? Yes. I saw one of these hooked up with VR when I went to the Rolex race in Daytona. It was the Wayne Taylor rig. They have the same setup. Nice. Now I'm wondering how much it cost. Yeah. Oh, good. I asked them. It's like forty-five grand. Holy cow! Yeah. Okay, that, I just went to their website. Let's see here. That's what I was getting ready to say. It's good to have Papal's money. It yeah, says from thirty-five hundred dollars. So that's where it starts. Yeah, it's pricey, but it's really, really cool to see one of those things move in person. I tried one of their, uh, they had a demo set up, not that rig, but uh, a different SimCraft rig, and it was fun. I mean, it, the whole base shifted and moved and everything. The seat didn't move, but the whole base did. And motion is definitely something different to get used to, but uh, they wouldn't let me sit in that thing. Yeah. Pretty cool. SimCraft.com, if you're interested, check it out. You need some money, like, uh, or you need a grandpa that's named Joe G Joe Gibbs, I guess. Boy, yeah. that kid's got a, a future ahead of him, you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got, definitely has the resources available to him to do something well with it. Yeah, and I think one of the big things, though, is he, he's starting out so young. I mean... You know, I've been doing this since NASCAR 2003, so I was, you know, into my 30s before I ever did any of this online. Uh, but to be that age starting out, man, you, you've got all the time to, to do your racecraft stuff before you ever get old enough to do any of it for real. Not to mention the bug in his ear telling him how, you know, the little tweaks he needs to do to help. Yeah. Now, that second tweet with a video is actually from Joe Gibbs Racing. And I, from what I can tell, they set up this new sim rig, uh, SimCraft rig, right inside Joe Gibbs Racing, and that's where he's running it. So I bet you Denny and Kyle and... And Matt, those guys are uh, probably going to take advantage. Give it a ring. You know, give it a shot. 
I want to see video of one of those rigs with somebody running dirt. <laughs> Kicking the side, the back out to one side or something. Oh yeah, I mean, just imagine that with Eldora with a little bit of banking, and it'll be sideways and yawing at the same time. Oh, yeah, pretty cool. Does it? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> And if you hit the wall hard enough, it'll break your legs. Die. <laughs> Talk the air out of you. <laughs> That's what happens when you hit the wall and knocks the air out of you. That'll take care of your SR, huh? Better yet, throw a shot collar on them, and when they do something stupid, just <laughs> something for the crew chief. Yeah, yeah. How'd you do that? Well, it's interesting. You know, Joe Gibbs Racing has more money. Money's not a problem, right? And what do they pick? They pick SimCraft. They could have bought any rig out there, but why did they pick this one? That's what I want to know. Well, it really looks top of the line. It, it That's nice. Look, it doesn't look pieces, parts. You know, somebody really engineered this. And it looks really cool, too. I mean, it looks so much different than like a Sim Experience one. You know, that's the one that has the shocks that are kind of attached to the back of the uh, uh, seat, you know. There's one on each side, and it just kind of moves the chair. Yeah, this one you're almost sitting in like a gimbal. Like a roll cage almost kind of thing. Yeah. It reminds me of those, uh, what are those old rides in the fairs where you used to strap yourself in it and they'd spin you? Right. No, like, like a Ferris wheel, but then they spin as it's going around. No, no, no. The the astronaut training things, remember back way back when, where you would stand up in it, and they'd strap your arm, like, you know, you hold up to the top bar, and it would spin in, like, three axes? Oh, yeah. You know, we joke about it, though, but if, if anybody ever offered us one and we had the money, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to tell what other gear he has besides the uh, uh, the actual, you know, cockpit. Like, what is his wheels and pedals and all that? You can't really tell by the video. It looks like maybe Thrustmaster, just from what I'm seeing. But the rig that I saw had a Thrustmaster wheel on it, but they were running tilt and pedals. Yep. All right. Let's jump into final thoughts. So, start with our guest, Colton Landis. What do you got? Well, I'm uh, glad you all welcomed me on the show. Kind of showed up unexpected here. It's good to be back. Uh, just thanks for letting me here. All right. You're welcome. Anytime. 
if anyone doesn't know, Colton used to be on Team Tafosi long ago, one of the original members, and uh, you and Alan Pajari. And Alan Pajari is actually the founder of this podcast. Uh, it was his idea to begin it. And Anyway, you and Alan took off to one-up motorsports. You had a good opportunity over there, and you've been there ever since. So tell us, Colton, real quick, what do you? how's it going over there for you? It's going great. We've got a... Uh... We've got two drivers now in the the Pete Antifreeze series, and you know we're helping out with that. I I don't help out with it as much as I should. Alan helps out more than I do, but it's a great group of guys over there. Uh, we're enjoying it, but you know it's nice to visit you all back over here again. So uh, nice, so. yeah. And who are the drivers? Uh, it was the Christian, right? Yeah, Christian and Marcus. Oh, and Marcus Richardson, of course. Yep. And Marcus has won this year already, right? Has he? No, or he almost won. Did No, uh, what's his name? Took the win from him right there at the end. I forgot. Yeah, I can't remember who that was. Uh-uh. Derek Bardot? Anyway, yeah, Marcus Richardson, I used to run with him a long ago in the Nordgar League. Oh, yeah. And, Uh, we haven't seen where it's landed, uh, if it's landed yet. Oh, he had that big wreck, huh? Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Not not a great week for the team uh, last week. Yeah, like uh, backstretch lap one, I believe. And Marcus, uh, his car went into outer space. Yeah, from, from what I saw, Marcus was having a decent race before that but yeah uh, you know the i think i don't know when it was the week or two before that marcus was in position to win the race and but didn't it was close all right uh brian reeves what do you got final thought ready to get back to it after an off week um one thing I do have to say, I have to thank everybody on the team. I mean, I've, you know, everybody goes through those periods where you kind of get a little unmotivated and having all the people on the team, you know, helps keep you get motivated again when you don't, you kind of lose the momentum a little bit. It's nice to have the guys sit there to get you back in it again. Yep. There's lots of advantages to being on a team. All right. Uh, Carlos Fonseca, what do you got? <laughs> nope. That's Carlos, right? Come on, Bristol, you're going to run. Yeah, we got to work on a setup. We'll do that tonight a little bit. Uh, Brad Miller, final thoughts. I got something that's kind of been digging at me a little bit. Uh, when you're you're coming up to the, what, not only just the end of the race, but any time. Uh, when guys wreck, their car's smoking, and they're junk. And you've got two laps left. We don't have a green-white checkered. And it turns out that they put them back in the position they were running before the wreck. I really hate that. Uh, I think if you wreck and get clobbered, you just go to the back and run around back there and smoke instead of going back up to second or third. That That's uh, uh, something I wish I racing would look at.
Yeah. Yeah, it, should, it seems like it, they should be able to fix that. It doesn't seem like it's impossible. I mean, why can't they fix that? You know, it's like the pace car speed thing. Like if you can't maintain pace car speed for more than one second or two seconds, then you go to the back, you know? It should be pretty easy to program, I would think. You would think. And, and the reason it really just jumped out at me was at Texas. We had like four laps to go, second and third get together. I get caught up in it, and my motor's blown. I, I, I can't even drive back to the pits. And the guys that initially started the wreck finished second and third. It just really burnt my hind end. Uh, my final thoughts. Hey, uh, iRacers Lounge has grown a lot, guys. It's been a couple years now. And I looked at some numbers. Uh, Carlos, I shared these with you the other day. But uh, we've grown, what did I say, 200% since uh, one year ago. Uh, and our number count is very high. We basically have five to six hundred listeners each week downloading the podcast and actually listening to it according to the reporting and so i just wow. want to say wow you know hey we appreciate that and uh that's a lot of people and you know just a year ago it was half of that and it's really grown in the last year uh, uh we've had a lot of people say hey why are you still doing this but, we're doing it for the listeners, you know, and a lot of pe people do provide feedback saying, hey, we like the podcast, keep doing it. And we want to hear from you. So if you're one of those four or 500, 600 people, let me know. Hit me up on Facebook and say, hey, or go to our website, you know, iracerslounge.com and make a short comment or something and let us know. Tell your friends about it. And uh, I'd like to keep growing uh, and keep that growth, but we'll have to see how it goes. So. With that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.